Hello friends, welcome to the Maitri podcast between friends conversations with Maitri. I am your host Nandini Day and today we will discuss how women in this country are facing challenges uh, with their reproductive rights and how these challenges are manifesting hundredfold for survivor of domestic violence especially survivors from marginalized communities. Today we have invited our sister agencies Daya a Houston based nonprofit and Raksha a Georgia based nonprofit to discuss this important issue. From Raksha we have Aparna Bhattacharya. Aparna has been the executive director of Raksha since 1998. She is a native Atlantan and has been recognized for her local, statewide and national work to ensure access and cultural responsiveness for South Asian and immigrant survivors of gender-based violence. We have Tisha Bedi. Tisha is the director of outreach and education at Daya Houston. Tisha is extremely passionate about reaching silent victims within the South Asian diaspora, honoring their intersectionality. We also have Pam Otto from Daya. Pam is the outreach and volunteer coordinator at Daya. She is a native Houstonian and a second-gen Punjabi American with a passion for gender justice. Aparna, Pam, and Tisha, so happy to have you here today. Welcome. Thank, thank you, you for having us. Yes, thank you for having us. This is so important to have this conversation together. Yes, of course. Um, you know, we all know that women always face challenges in upholding their reproductive rights due to cultural and systemic barriers. But immigrant survivors of domestic violence face extra layers of challenges and oppression. We all know that. And at Maitri, we have seen that reproductive coercion is used as control mechanism. Either women are forced to get pregnant or they are forced to get abortion. And either way, women are suffering as they don't have freedom to decide for themselves. And even when Roe versus Wade was in place, factors like cultural norms and a low English proficiency obstructed many immigrant survivors from seeking help. But recent Supreme Court's decision on abortion ban is creating a dangerous situation for immigrant DV survivors. When they don't have access to have safe abortions, uh, they're trapped and the physical, financial strain of pregnancy and childbirth uh, make it even harder for them to leave. And um, and abuse may worsen. So I uh, and I know you know Texas. Uh, you know the, right now this kind of dangerous situation is there. At least in California, uh, abortion is not illegal. So how is this a recent uh, Supreme Court decision on abortion ban affecting the women that Daya and Raksha serve? Well, I mean, I, I think for Raksha, we're still in a better situation than Texas is. Um, Georgia, just last week, um, our six-week ban got activated, whereas I think Dio is in a different situation. So we still had cases that were pending, and we did not have a trigger law with um, Roe v. Wade being um, overturned. So that meant what we had in place was still effective. Hmm. But just last week, we got news about um, the six-week ban being enforced. So that means after six weeks, you cannot get an abortion, but we still have the rape 
incest exception in Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, there may not be clarity because it requires that you have a police report. And we know our communities don't always file police reports. Um, depending on your immigration status, there might be fear of connecting to police. So it's still complicated, but we still have some access to abortions here in Georgia. So I know while it's scary and there are barriers, we don't know what's kind of in the pipeline to happen. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we still have some access, even though it is still scary, because we know access to being able to make a reproductive choices is so important and being having access to all that makes a difference in folks being able to leave domestic violence or sexual assault situations, you know, or I mean, this impacts so many survivors, but I think that's the quick and dirty. I think uh, Houston yeah. and Texas has a much a much harder time of it yeah, than we do. Yeah. And many women may not know uh, that they're pregnant before six weeks, right? So mm-hmm. that is another thing, uh, especially when, when they're in abusive situation, they are, you know, uh, busy probably handling, uh, probably saving their lives from the abuse. So they may not pay attention, they're pregnant uh, within six weeks. That's another thing. So yeah, I would like to. Well, well, the other thing I think about is like, they may not know, but imagine it's a sexual assault or a drug-induced mm-hmm. sexual assault. And they may not have known they were sexually assaulted. Yeah. Like, how would they know with six weeks, right? And how would they have known they were sexually assaulted if it was drug-induced and they don't remember anything? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very much interested to know uh, from Daya. Yeah, absolutely. Y'all both have been on point with what you have said till now. You know, as you mentioned, in Texas, abortions are now banned as early as six weeks into a pregnancy. And this law is known as SB8. And this new law represents like the nation's most restrictive ban on the procedure currently in effect. And notably, the law makes no exceptions for victims of rape or incest. And with that being said, Texas trigger laws will go into effect in a few weeks, banning almost all abortions. And, you know, Nandini, you mentioned, you know, many people don't realize they are pregnant until after six weeks. The time frame is particularly a problem for those who are repeatedly raped or abused. Um, to cope with the trauma of the abuse, they often grow numb to what's happening to their bodies as well. And so the impact of finally coming forward and then being told there are no options for you is absolutely devastating. And being forced to carry a pregnancy to term can be harmful. You know, in our clients, we see financially, psychologically, and sometimes physically as well. And for survivors, that burden further strips away agency that they're after their sense of safety and control has already been violated. You know, like power and control is being practiced on them once again. So, you know, at Daya, we see that our clients are not only facing intimate partner violence, they're now facing systemic abuse from lawmakers where they're not able to make decisions about their own bodies and religious abuse as well from society where, you know, a person who might even not practice Christianity is being told to abide by Christian laws, which they're making. And so all of these things are really affecting our clients and clients all over Houston, all over Texas. So we're, you know, all of our partner agencies, we're getting together, we're trying to figure out what we can all do to really be there to support our clients through this terrible time in history. 
Mm. And this uh, recent abortion ban, I think, is another display of power and control over women's mind and body. <laughs> I mean, it's it's really it's really sad. And uh, you know, as a DV advocate, I'm very much worried uh, for those women who are in an abusive situation or who are abused, uh, you know, sexually by. Uh, by their partners or by strangers. And as many of them don't have a support system, especially if they're immigrants, um, to share their pain and to find options, um, that is really, really sad. But as an individual, as a woman, uh, I'm also frustrated and sad and agitated for all women because, you know, we are uh, we are even denied uh, our basic right, like I was reading somewhere that many women used to uh, come to Oklahoma uh, from Texas uh, to get safe abortion. And now after seeing the abortion policy uh, in Oklahoma, they're also following the six weeks um, uh, with some exceptions. So I'm thinking we are in 2022 and in many states uh, in this nation, women, we don't have an option to go to a safe place for abortion. So women who need abortion, they will find option. They will go to unsafe places and to some fake doctors to get abortion and which will jeopardize their health and in some cases even death. So as a woman, I'm as an individual, not as a representative from an organization. As a woman, I'm also very upset. Uh, but I would like to know um, how um, this uh, decision is affecting you as a woman, as an individual. So Pam, you can start. Um, right. So uh, thinking about like women in Texas, I believe like you have to travel at least hundreds of miles, if not like a thousand miles to go get an abortion. And that is really scary and unsettling. And, um, but the Dobbs decision, I would say personally, like it didn't make me feel like dejected in any kind of way or made me feel like paralyzed or give up. Like if anything, it like made me feel more committed to providing like reproductive freedom for all and protecting everyone's choices and, um, rights that they have. And, um, I've really tried to positively channel that anger towards like advocacy and um, working to engage South Asian voters in Texas and to try to get them to become more civically engaged. Uh, because even in Texas, like as our South Asian population increases, our voice is not really heard in state level and local politics. So I think it's really important for us to use this momentum to make sure that we're more equitably represented. Mm -hmm. Tisha? Yeah, I mean, just kind of on the same line, I actually, I felt very helpless and angry when I first heard about the decision, because of course, like my fundamental right has been taken away from me. Mm. But it actually helps me sort of understand our clients more because I can now fully empathize and sympathize with that power and control dynamic being like, you taken away from me, like my power and control over my own reproductive system has been taken away. So as Pam said, like, it's really encouraging me to sort of go into the community, educate folks on what like reproductive rights means. You know, at Daya, we've created a reproductive choices toolkit in the past like couple of weeks. So it's really kickstarted a lot of necessary conversations that need to be had but it's just sad that it had to have happened this way rather than like a prevention method this is kind of like a protection method 
Mm, wonderful. Uh, what about you, Aparna? Uh, you know, I've been sitting with this and, and trying to figure everything I feel because I think a lot of times we're going into action mode, right? What do we need to do? What do we need to let survivors know? And then how do we deal with our own feelings? So I'm still probably processing a lot of it, but of course it's it's the continual, another form of power and control in which ways that we are controlling what's happening to women and women identified bodies, right? And so for me, it's a frustration. We don't do this to other people. We have people fighting to make choices about whether they're vaccinated or not, or whether they wear a mask or not, but yet we can put this on women. And that makes me so angry because this is such a personal choice. And it's mm -hmm. not just even about abortion, but it's also about women who have medical complications while they're pregnant, right? Mm -hmm. So this is going to impact women in so many different ways. I mean, I know I'm hearing stories about women not even being able to access their birth control from pharmacies. Mm. And so this is so much about autonomy, us being able to make own decisions about our own health. Mm. And yet that's being dictated by government. And I don't understand how that's even possible, um, given all the other things that people don't want the government telling them to do. Um, it's just such the contradiction and it, it's pretty scary that we are going back in time. Um, but I feel like we also go through these cycles, like those of us living in the South, there's always something coming up where we're always having to fight for a basic right that folks in the West and the Northeast don't have to do, whether it's LGBTQ rights, whether it's, you know, abortion, there's just so much that we are constantly battling across in the South and South, uh, Southeast, Southwest, you know that mm, I yeah. feel like it's just the way we are and we're always used to having to fight something. Yeah. And in times of lockdown, when uh, survivors are, they're in lockdown, trapped with their abusers at home and uh, they couldn't go out. Before lockdown, probably that was their only option to go out and take care of their mental and physical needs. But then, you know, even if they wanted to have some uh, birth control, they could have that. But when they're in, in lockdown situation, trapped with their abuser, maybe they didn't have that option to get uh, birth control. And uh, in that time, that period, if they're, if they're uh, coerced to have sex, then it is a it's really a frustrating situation um, for all of us, not only for the victims, but for all of us. Uh, so what kind of cases you see where reproductive coercion is used as control mechanism? So when you serve uh, women. I mean, there's a whole gamut, right? So we, we have cases in which women are forced to have abortions based on the gender of their child, sex selection or the son preference that we talk about in our mm -hmm. community. And I remember even growing up, I mean, this is not even the cases, but growing up, knowing a family that we knew where the mom had to have a number of abortions until she had a boy child. And I think it impacted her physical and mental health. Yeah. And so that's a memory I recall growing up. But I think even like from Raksha, you have the gamut of cases to the young woman who might um, decide to get an abortion because she's not married and it's it's just a situation where she cannot be pregnant. Um, then you have the situations where somebody might get an abortion because they um, want to leave their domestic violence situation. We have situations where they're stealthing, where the partner pretends to be using uh, a condom, but instead there's holes in it. And so they are sabotaging the situation. Um, and then we have folks 
I mean, you just have so many opportunities of where folks are controlling one's reproductive health. We had one situation in which you had a family member that was sexually assaulting a young person in the family and kept taking them to get abortions, acting like she was promiscuous, when in reality, this is the individual who was sexually assaulting her. Um, and it was the abortion clinic that actually called called it out because this young person was under 15 and been there a couple of times already for abortion. So it, there's a whole gamut of how this plays out where it, it can be the abuser that's bringing you in for those abortions to hide what they're doing. Oh, God. Um, so, uh, Daya? Yeah, absolutely. Like, as a partner said, like, it, uh, reproductive coercion can happen in so many ways. It can happen, as she said, like, during sex, before sex, um, after sex, like, forcing you to get an abortion or not allowing you to get an abortion. And um, really, the perpetrators kind of use reproductive coercion to make it harder for someone to try to leave the relationship, like they try to maybe use the possibility of a future child to entrap them in the relationship and just in generally make it harder for them to leave safely. And um, one thing that we kind of see in South Asian cultures is that uh, people outside of the intimate relationship, like in-laws or older relatives, also sort of supplement that reproductive coercion and um, try to regulate a victim's reproductive decisions, like try to force them to have um, a child or monitor like their menstruation cycle and so that they can try to see when they should try to conceive or um, even uh, whenever it comes to um, gender, like forcing them to have an abortion if it's not the gender that they desire. Um, so yeah, unfortunately, there is a lot of intersections when it comes to reproductive coercion in South Asia. Yeah, and we also have seen that many times many women, they are forced to um, keep the baby uh, and then they have no freedom to even leave the abusive situation because they don't have that courage that to how how can they you know take care of a baby when they are uh, not standing firmly on their own feet. There's so many intersections of abuse um, in there. So uh, Tisha, do you want to add anything? You know, I think both Aparna and Pam have hit the nail on the head. Um, just, you know, really expressing that reproductive coercion is possibly one of the worst like forms of coercion as well, just because, I mean, I've also, first of all, just because like, it is so such a permanent thing, right? Like a child mm -hmm. is not something that like, you can just kind of, it sounds very harsh. Like it's not something that you can just like move forward from, like that is your child. And oftentimes I've also seen that a lot of clients who are forced to have children, you know, with their abuser, they, they even resent that child for the rest of their lives. You know, that child has come out from a very dangerous and abusive situation. So it's not only affecting the survivor, it's now affecting this child who had no fault in you know any of the situations and then they're living the rest of their lives also feeling guilty so I've seen stuff like that happen so um that's the only thing I can really add right now because and Pam. If, if the child is unwanted so that is you know another dangerous situation for another victim then that that child can be um, a victim of many things like sexual abuse neglect um and other abuses. Other abuses. Yeah. And I think we, we, you know, um, what we didn't talk about was even the workplace 
type of sexual assaults. And I know we've seen a few cases where it's been either employers or even coworkers that have sexually assaulted Mm -hmm. some of the individuals we're working with. But yeah, but it also, the way that the laws are set out, it gives the perpetrators more power and control because they can, you know, we've got laws that are looking at potentially saying they can sue. And we've got some places where they're saying there's use of violence, but also once there's a child involved, right, that somehow links the abuser to that child, which can make that child more vulnerable to being used as another form of power and control, but also exactly the child being abused and used in, in, in harmful ways because that's another form of where an abuser can manipulate the system and also take penalties against anyone trying to help the survivor. Mm. So are you doing anything to educate uh, your clients about their reproductive rights? I mean, I think we're sharing information about what's there. And I know Thaya has also already created this great uh, tool for our folks to use. Um, so as we're having one-on-one conversations, we're definitely giving them information, but I'll let Daya talk more about it because they've been creating some amazing things for the community. Yeah. Um, yeah, thank you, Aparna. Um, yes, we it kind of in response to the community, um, they had a lot of questions about like what rights there are like for survivors just in general, uh, for those who are menstruating, uh, the reproductive choices available, and then also how they want to get involved. Um, so sort of in response to that, we created this uh, uh, reproductive toolkit that's available on our website, where it kind of walks through uh, what you know reproductive coercion is, what sexual coercion is, contraception, um, how uh, ways to access abortion, um, and then also just ways to get involved in advocacy. Um, And yeah, since Daya started, we really believed in providing that education and um, letting survivors know what the reproductive rights and options are, because we believe that that, through that education, it empowers them and allows them to build that safe um, and independent life that they deserve. But unfortunately, with um, the Texas Senate 8 bill that passed last year, there is that bounty law. Um, And so because of that, we have sort of had to like pivot and rethink our strategy and it's become a lot more um, I guess like kind of prevention focused and providing more information about emergency contraception that's in that toolkit and um, again like how on the community how you can start having those important discussions about reproductive freedom. Mm, Yeah so it is more important now than ever to know uh, uh, your you know women's rights and prevent uh, misinformation especially from abusers because who are giving probably false information to uh to their uh, victims and so it's very important that uh, not only our clients our entire community they should have a, a better idea about their reproductive rights and the tools you are talking about uh, pam it's really important they should go to your uh, website uh, to find uh, that information and in California, Narika and Maitri, we have created um, a Know Your Rights guide to help our community members so that they know what are their rights, what are the uh, right information. Like in California, it is uh, it is not illegal to have abortion. So uh, think about it. A perpetrator can tell the victim, especially an immigrant victim, maybe uh, uh, you know is not aware of the, what is going on, uh, maybe 
doesn't know how to uh, read English newspaper or channels, or maybe do, don't have access. Maybe she doesn't have an access to get news. And if the perpetrator is telling her that abortion is illegal, then uh, she has uh, no choice but to uh, believe that. But if community uh, culture, everyone in the community knows uh, what is illegal um, in California, well, then uh, probably uh, she may have that knowledge, that information from somebody, from their neighbors, from friends, somebody. So it is very important to share um, women's rights uh, for, for their reproductive rights with our community members everywhere, through every um, platform. So uh, we also posted that uh, flyer on our social media pages. We shared with our volunteers so that we can send that information message to um, all Californians. Uh, so do you have any strategy, outreach strategies that can give support and comfort to women in your community? Um, yeah, I guess I can start. Um, so yeah, Daya strongly believes that, you know, reproductive rights is a social problem that requires community engagement really at every level to help build those safer communities. And so at the local level, we are really engaged in those grassroots conversation and um, outreach to provide you know, free, easily accessible and inclusive educational content and also trainings to community members um, like religious leaders and other key uh, cultural and South Asian leaders in Houston. Um, and so this also includes, again, that reproductive choices toolkit. Um, and so that um, everyone kind of knows how they can get involved, how they can kind of further amplify the IS outreach efforts. Um, and then alongside that, our Senior Director of Legal Services, Dr. Nusr Thameen, spearheads a lot of our state level advocacy and national policy work because um, as much as outreach really does help build that momentum and help change the culture you really do need to change the system to create a better safer community for everyone mm -hmm. um, and then also as an organization we try to speak out whenever we can to make sure that we really uplift those marginalized voices. And uh, Rachna Kare, our executive director, wrote this beautiful, very powerful response um, to the Dobbs decision that's available on our website. And I highly recommend uh, for everyone to read it. Wonderful. Aparna? Well, I mean, very similar outreach methods. Um, of course, social media, we've been using that quite a bit because that's been a, a great area where our community can get information pretty quickly. We're quoted by the Atlanta Journal and Constitution, so we got information out that way. Um, but, you know, also we're a part of, um, you know, all of our organizations are a part of South Asian SOAR, and I know that they started the South Asians for abortion website, which has a lot of information that can get out to people. So there's a one-stop shop where a lot of the information that even Daya's, you know, um, created can be found there along with, you know, how it's impacting the different organizations um, throughout. So I think through collaboration, we're definitely finding ways to get to get out there and we're continuing to support each other, continuing to have conversations, social media, and then of course our individual conversations. And of course, sharing the information from a lot of our other partners that are doing the reproductive justice work here in Georgia, but also in the Southeast. Wonderful. So thank you so much, Aparna, Pam, and Atisha for taking time from your busy schedule and coming to our show, uh, sharing your wealth of knowledge and important information um, and valuable suggestions uh, in prevention work. So thank you so much. 
thank you for having us and for creating a, a cross uh national and cross-cultural like conversation yes thank you so much and we're so excited to be a part of this conversation to raise other people's voices yeah absolutely yeah thank you so much for hosting this discussion and yeah we look forward to continuing this work yes me too i also want to you know continue this discussion um listeners now we are in a critical moment in the fight to protect women's reproductive rights so join us in supporting women's rights uh, please share this podcast widely please visit mighty.org raksha.org r a k s h a.org and daya houston d a y a houston.org to learn about our work to show your support to these agencies i'm your host nandini re ending this episode with a hope that our listeners will amplify our message that every woman should be treated with dignity and respect and they should have the right to enjoy reproductive health um, ensuring that every birth is safe and every child is wanted thank you for listening to the matri podcast between friends find all our podcasts episodes on soundcloud youtube apple google spotify and wherever you listen to your podcast like and share our podcast and introduce this podcast to your friends and family thank you अगर आप या कोई और जिसे आप जानते हैं जो घरेलू और डोमेस्टिक वायलेंस से गुजर रहे हैं कृपया मैत्री से संपर्क करें मैत्री की सेवाएं बिल्कुल मुफ्त और विश्वसनीय हैं। हमारी सेवाएं हिंदी पंजाबी मराठी गुजराती और अन्य दक्षिण एशियाई भाषाओं में उपलब्ध हैं। यू कैन कॉल अस मंडे टू फ्राइडे नाइन टू थ्री पी एम ऑन वन एट 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 सिक्स टू फोर एट सेवन फोर फॉर आफ्टर आवर्स लीव वॉइस मेल इन योर लैंग्वेज यू कैन ऑल्सो ई मेल अस एट मैत्री एम ए आई This project was made possible by funding provided by Santa Clara County Office of Gender-Based Violence Prevention. This show is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as legal advice. Always consult an attorney for legal advice. Views expressed by guests of the radio show are individual opinions and not endorsed by Mayatri.